0: W- where'd they go? I don't know. I was going to ask you the same thing. I started doing the dance, and then I just—we're
1: right well, here, guys. We're always here watching.
0: Oh God! Oh, Maybe no. even he did well, the thing the... again.
1: Maybe even groping. Well, well, you know, well. Building...
0: <laughs> right?
1: Well,
2: well. If by some nuclear rays. And so we can go invisible whenever we want.
0: You guys just yeah oh molecules
2: are in flux. <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: Jimmy, just, uh, uh, yeah. Christians are a little more stable. Jimmy's just uh, yeah, going just in and out, out. I guess
2: I just figured out how to control it better.
0: Uh, yeah, no, I'm just... Yeah, well. Uh, All ah! right. Can we just can we just get this shit started?
1: Sure. <laughs> well, I can bring you back in.
0: You already have better luck than our protagonist.
1: Uh, Sorry, I I like being invisible.
0: (laughs) All right, well, Jimmy's just going to do his own thing, apparently. He's in flux.
2: He'll be fine. (laughs) Come on.
1: There we go. Guys, we got a little little Uh, hollow man going on. (laughs) I can't visible. So,
3: weirdly enough, this all ties into the movie for the week. Just so happens.
0: It's Almost like a
3: it's almost like it's a coincidence or a coincidence or something. But anyway, the movie for the week is Memoirs of an Invisible Man. And my uh, panelists, Tristan and Jimmy, who have now just become visible, are with us, along with Jeff and myself, Corey. Um, so this was a weird kind of uh, happenstance that this movie came together because originally it was a, uh, a Chevy Chase vehicle. That he was trying to bridge between his more comedic stuff as more dramatic stuff. And, uh, it happened to kind of straddle the line a bit. There was some, um, disagreements over who the director was going to be. Cause I guess Ivan Reitman was helping him develop it. And then after a long production, hell, he decided to go in a different direction and he wanted to get somebody who had some experience with like special effects and stuff like that. And it had, uh, a little more of a grasp on drama or kind of Hitchcockian suspense. So we got a uh, John Carpenter, who's not somebody who you would normally associate with a movie like this.
2: But I, when I saw that, I thought, okay, Invisible Man horror. It's not your traditional John Carpenter, but right. I don't know if that's what they yeah. thought. See, I when was when they picked him.
0: I didn't realize that until after watching it, but I was getting some real Ivan Reitman vibes when he's literally looking through a filing cabinet. Mm-hmm. And I was expecting Sam Neill to be like, like that scene from the library in Ghostbusters.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny. Um, <clears throat> there, I mean, there's a couple of times where Chevy can do some of his uh, his screwball shtick. Obviously, when he's uh, pantomiming with the drunk guy to get a cab, which is a very oh yeah, scene. it was um, a little
2: messy, but I I actually didn't mind it. I thought the comedy blended well with the. It uh, did drama i don't think he was outlandish as he has been especially say in the vacation movies right and it actually shows
3: that he can be an effective romantic lead mm-hmm. it's
0: very much a, a reverse leslie nelson if you will <laughs>
3: yeah um, but you can tell just from the production from the beginning i was like he looks a little gaunt and apparently according to the uh, production notes he lost like 20 pounds because he knew that this is going to require a lot of like physical exertion and special effects work
2: huh yeah, I didn't even think of that. I thought I—I I always imagine him this thin, and th- this was technically the first thing I ever saw him. And I saw this around the time it came out, maybe on the movie channel or something. But uh, yeah, I, I always imagine him this thin. So. Yeah,
0: well, because it also probably—you know—he knew he was going to be naked at some point.
3: That's true. That's, a, yeah, that's, that's the nature of invisibility
0: naked. movies. Is it usually only works when you're totally naked? But that's why Probably I thought he of... had
1: clothes on. Right. That
0: well, was that, that was
1: like the thing is like he, he gets exposed to so, like the clothes that he's wearing gets exposed to these like weird uh microwaves or cosmological waves. Science or waves. Then, like, uh, science waves. And like his, the clothes that he's wearing, which is his business yeah. suit, like, they get they become invisible. So like whenever he's out on the streets, wandering around and like being a non-person, like he's clothed. Yeah, yeah. But like
2: uh, it is. It is consistent too, because you see him take his clothes off, wear different clothes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but like the different clothes that he's wearing, he wears like they cut, they show cold. a cut or uh, of like you know parts of him being invisible and like he's, you could see the clothes just like, standing there. But when he's back in his uh, business suit, like he's completely invisible, like an angry, like like, like, a, like, a, like a Wall Street, Street clothes. Clothes. yeah, yeah, so <laughs> they, which they uh, they they bring up like once or twice. Yeah, he like, loses his tie. I think pretty yeah. much yeah. immediately. <laughs> Like a like, Wall uh, Street
0: cloak of invisibility. Yeah. yeah. Probably, I, I was
2: curious about at the beginning. They start off the movie where he's filming himself a, a confession, as like a bookend sort of thing. And I was wondering right away how they're going to handle things like food. You see him later smoking. Uh, so you can see the smoke in his lungs. Uh, and so I was wondering about the clothes. Like, you always wondered, do you have to be naked the whole time? In the Claude Rains Invisible Man? He's wearing the robe, but he's clearly going to be naked the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's funny to think he's just running around. Claude Rains.
3: Well, there's a nod to the Claude Rains one when uh, she goes to his beach house, and he's basically dressed up like the Claude Rains incarnation of
2: uh, the- bandages. Yeah. yeah,
0: I mean the the special effects in this movie were just top-notch i don't know if we've gotten to that point yet but
1: they're uh, they're pretty good for uh 92 but like they're still working on like traditional special effects with a little cgi because cgi is still in its infancy at this point so like you look at today's like or if, if they made this movie today it would be like a little too clean, I think. What I was saying, as
2: soon as they the rays go off and hit Chevy Chase, uh, you can see the building. It doesn't completely evaporate. I think that's what would have happened if this was made today. Yeah. Right, like it would have folded in on itself to look <coughs> cool, and then it would have just been still there, but like a mime. Box. Yeah, no, it would, yeah. it would
1: have definitely been well, like you. You hit that like probably where I was trying to get to. Like, yeah. they would try to make it look too cool with today's special effects, whereas like here they're like, okay we got to be convincing for this movie because we have yeah, like, well, a budget yeah. for this but like it's, the technology is not all that great so this I, movie is not,
2: it's
1: I like, think it,
2: half of him is invisible but then it would have been like all in i can't make him all invisible uh yeah, yeah. But you, you can't it, like streak some you can't
0: control him over. the
2: roof is there uh half of the wall he the sees walls, like
0: a door but he
2: doesn't understand
0: it's it's like the 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 science rays just Painted part of the building in like this splatter of invisibility, like a so you can, Right, exactly. So you can see through, the, and eventually it it totally phases out. But I actually love that part because it's a practical effect of something that would normally be CGI. Like mm-hmm. you have floating bits of. It's like a Dali painting when you when you look at the office building because yes. it's just like. It clearly looks like it should fall apart, but it's just sitting there yeah, like, just a, like like, like a, a death a star
1: that's invisible.
0: Right, like it's not broken; it's just invisible, just like Chevy Chase.
3: Yeah, no, but it's funny. It really <laughs> does, and his career. No, it does get into the minutia of what it would be like to be invisible and the hassle that would be, especially when he talks about how it's hard for him to sleep because his eyelids. Yeah, he can see right
2: through them. Oh yeah. I didn't think of that. I I know he said it, but I didn't really contemplate it.
1: Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about the science behind being invisible, like if the whole, the whole reason for like the, the eyeballs to work is like, we're supposed to have like holes for the light to go through, to get to the back of the eyeball, to send electrical signals to the brain to say, Hey, look, an image. Yeah. But like, if his eyeballs are completely invisible, yeah, he, ha- he does not really have I'm those little expert holes right to now because he's the light beams in. So, how the hell is he able to see? Yeah,
2: well, he then, should be blind. Or if we didn't have those holes, we'd all be like the they live characters. Yeah,
3: so I was it, tie it back into John Carpenter. Apparently, the, uh, John, John Carpenter said that Chevy Chase and Daryl Hannah were nightmares on set. Really? Which is weird because I believe it. it. Good chemistry, the two of them.
2: Yeah. I like Daryl Hannah a lot in this. I Maybe it was I because
0: it was those those scenes when Chevy had to be ignored on set and he was just taking it to heart.
2: <laughs> oh, oh no. Um.
0: Here's here's another thing we haven't really talked touched on just yet, the uh synopsis of, of how he gets want. invisible. Like, well, no, I mean he gets invisible, but like everything that happens afterward, and then he has to go on the run and.
2: Yeah, I mean, this Don't. actually can bring me to the, the first question I was going to ask you guys. What would you do if you found yourself invisible when you woke up?
3: In the same like, position as him?
2: Yeah. I, I was going to say, like, what would you do if you were invisible? But what would you do if you were in uh, Nick Calloway? Yeah. Nick, Nick Calloway is a uh, position. Oh, in San Francisco, right? Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <San> Francisco, <laughs> so i definitely take a trolley ride. For yeah. Free. yeah. Just for free. Yeah, why not? i would try to run away i'd try to just see what i could do like learn the science of it i i do appreciate that he freaks out and he's like am i gonna evaporate and just not yeah that, you know right? that's something yeah. they never
3: bring back actually that i was kind of frustrated with i know they kind of touch on it at the end to wrap things up as a deus ex machina of how he's going now mm-hmm. up, spoiler alert to cover up his uh, disappearance but um I wish they had gone a little more into that to build some suspense like there's flickers of him doing that throughout the movie and he's like oh no is this is happening now. It's yeah. just like
0: the top of the end of inception where you don't know yeah. for sure.
1: Right. <laughs> sure, yeah, sure. Maybe it's too dramatic. No, it's got to be a ha- it's got to have a happy ending. It's, it's the
0: 90s. We're not It was yet. it was a pseudo happy ending. Yeah. But you know the the important thing here was like how Sam Neill's character is introduced because obviously this happens at some sort of government contractor facility and then he allegedly worked for the CIA and was brought in and like they know that he was involved Jimmy in a Chase's couple guys
1: falling off of a building mm-hmm. in multiple countries mm-hmm. yeah oh, right. so
3: he's, he's
2: a rough customer
3: um, although I always interpreted the end of this movie as it could still be one of those dream sequences he was having that might not have actually happened the ski I mean, don't we only have like one dream sequence though that- yeah, but I, I always figured this could be interpreted as that, but I'm sure they were going for an actual happy ending. That's what I got out of it. Yeah. Yeah. In any other movie, this like boilerplate uh CIA plot line would be just kind of tacked on. I feel like they actually build suspense in this, like like I like I was saying, this has like a vertigo north by northwest Hitchcockian feel to it of the mm-hmm. man
2: the man on the lamb.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah
2: good guy in the wrong situation there's two things i like about sam neil's subplot uh that he gets more and more unhinged which the stress of something so weird would do this to someone because it's the man you can never catch technically i think also and the other thing is i like that there is time between each of their interactions it's not like this takes place in a week Takes place over several months, yeah, maybe yeah. even a year. So it's different than yeah. you would expect. But,
1: but right? like the an interesting thing about like Sam Neill's performance was like him being unhinged when he does, I guess, become more uh, reckless. Mm-hmm. It does for me. It doesn't come off as him being unhinged as much. Uh, more it's so. Uh, more so like you you start to notice that like he's he he's an actual psychopath right yeah because because like he the the way he lies and goes back and forth between like one lie to the next and doesn't even think that somebody's gonna realize hey you're kind of lying buddy what are you doing and he, he doesn't like his logic goes right out the window he's trying to like pull <laughs> every card that it can to like get this guy to work with him in the cia and it
0: he's works like i'm gonna help you mm-hmm and you're yeah, going no, to be a spy.
1: He's like, look, and I, he's, I can't help you, Then I got to kill you. But I'm here for you, buddy. I care about you. But, you know, I'm going to kill you if I can't get you. Then, you know,
2: it's not real.
0: Yeah. Which then begs the question, like, what does he really want him for? Because if you get this guy and use him as a spy, what's to say that he won't just disappear and not or come back from the, or become a double agent, or literally just treasure walk treasure off treasure the treasure premises treasure, right? and not give a shit. Like
1: yeah, you could legit send him to another country, and he just
0: just becomes this. Mission's
1: a, over for him but at yeah, that point. He's right? a volatile asset. Yeah, yeah.
0: and he, and so Sam Neil just becomes like that's why he becomes more unhinged because he's just more obsessed with just yeah. catching this re- guy.
1: Re- feeds into the psychopathic behavior because with. He's yeah. getting more and more obsessed. Chaotic. Yeah.
0: Which, With less structure to like how he would actually utilize this asset. He's just driven to get him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so he's power
1: hungry. He's like. Right. He sees something that he wants and yeah. knows that will give him more power. <laughs> but there's several is-
3: points that Stephen P- Tobolowski shows up and he's like, look, this is over. There, there, there's nothing more you can do. He's like, no, no, I'm going to keep going on this. I got a one track mind tunnel vision here. I'm going to find yeah. this guy.
2: It is surprising he doesn't want like Toboleski's position or anything. There's no end game for him other than do his job correctly.
1: I mean, I think yeah. he might enjoy being the, the this is this is his calling. He likes going around killing people and spying. Like this is this is his jam. I don't think he's he not wants even necessarily patriotic cuz
3: towards the end he says, "We could sell this asset off to the Russians, the Chinese. Can you imagine yeah. how much they'll buy from"
2: And his yeah. second in command is like, ah, uh, I don't know about this anymore. <laughs>
0: hey, buddy, you, you okay, pal?
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, because yeah, they 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 do go into more detail about him being on the lam and running from this guy, and you know how he adapts to doing that. Like he he just does a lot of stuff over the phone and orders clear liquids and stuff just in case he crashes at his best friend's beach house. That like
3: Michael McKean,
0: yeah, Michael McKean. Oh
2: right, love Michael McKean. So it was cool that he popped up here. Did not and Patricia Heaton it. from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh yeah, I didn't recognize her, but I recognize your voice.
0: This yeah, that's that's Deborah. who it was. I was thinking the whole time like it's the hat. I can't think what. Oh <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's Ray's wife. Yeah, cannot Deborah. 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 <laughs> Debra. <laughs> are you are You. Doing <laughs> you? You're messing around with the guy from Spinal Tap. <laughs> oh no. Uh, she was pretty good though in a small room. <laughs> and, and Michael McKeon's always great. So. Oh yeah. Um the one thing he pointed out uh towards the end of the film was uh it was nice of Michael McKeon to just go
1: along with it because he obviously doesn't know Chevy's invisible. He has no so- clue. What's going on. No, he I mean, never he never knew. Yeah, he, he yeah. never he actually <laughs> never knew. Like he, he goes along and uh goes along with like uh Nick calls him up out of the boom, like off screen we don't find out until after like it's this revealed he calls him off screen he's like i need you help me out just dress up in a costume to wrap yourself up make you look like me yeah. and just hang out in front of a phone and, and, and he like, goes along with it and then like okay haven't seen you in a then, year. you bought a lot of liquor at my summer house yeah <laughs> and then Sam Neil comes out with like his cia like, goons and like decks him and he's like whoa like
0: it's the crazy Nick.
1: About it. Like the whole time, it was like I'm just helping out a friend. Now that's a best friend. Yeah, that's best friend right there. That's like just gets involved with the CIA and just doesn't care.
0: Look, man, no questions asked. I will, I will dress that up. Flavor
2: like... for what happened in Tahoe. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> I gotta call in some, some favors. But I did like one, one other little, little tidbit. Like right after the accident, as these agents are looking into him they asked for what his name is and he says uh-huh. harvey
3: that's
1: right yeah.
0: like, <laughs> that,
3: was a,
1: that was a cheeky little thing. like the I rabbit. Looked at jimmy
2: and i'm like just gonna
3: love
0: that it, oh it was great but then it, it, it did also it wink
3: at the audience and you're just like okay i get. Because it. after yeah. the
0: invisible rabbit from the from, from the play harvey and the movie that with jimmy stewart mm-hmm. and then i got started like my brain started on all these other subplots like what if that's how Harvey came into being? Like it was just a <laughs> science accident. And then <laughs> hey, now hear me out. I think on some level, the, the the people close to Daryl Hannah in her life see her going on the same type of thing. Cause they don't know that he's around. They just see her like talking to oh, yeah. talking to the air and you know mysteriously disappearing under okay, have fun circumstances and oh, you're pregnant and switchless. Right,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I want to see that sequel, yeah. The memoir of the son of the invisible man, yeah. And he comes out and he's just like, just a torso. <laughs>
1: well, now, oh, no, now, no, now you, know, you don't, see, now like, you don't see his skin, but you see this musculature and bone. <laughs> <laughs> they did yeah.
2: film a scene where she gives birth for the finale, yeah, because like, and, the whole, yeah. Whole, really, Who's not to include that for some reason. <laughs>
3: Did you notice that score had a bit of a "Flay the Bumblebee" theme to it, and also some, some of the parts of Shirley Walker's uh, score kind of harken back to like a like '50s B movies. Good point. Like some of the big orchestral beats.
2: Yeah, it felt like it could have been included in the Universal Monster Collection.
3: Yeah, like I kept thinking, like this could be perfect in like a movie like Them. Yeah. Huh? Piece of a thousand uh, fathoms stuff like that
2: uh-huh. it's like, uh, good you brought up shirley walker i was excited to tell jimmy about this because he never reads the guide on what these people have done outside of the movie oh
1: yeah no i don't know i don't know how to read uh
2: shirley walker uh she's the only one of a very accoladed crew um oh. that did not get an oscar but she was nominated for several emmys for writing the theme songs to both batman the animated series superman the animated series and batman beyond so she, she was the one that created all that. So she's the themes that we loved in the 90s for ah, all these cartoons. So she's a god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love Shirley Walker, apparently. Uh, and she was actually, this movie was the first film that was solely composed by a woman in film. Wow. Yeah. Because mm. usually if women worked on it, they were co-writing. That happened a lot anyway. There were two composers a lot of the time, but never by just a woman. So that's, mm. that's, that's progressive that's, then. Yeah, that's an interesting note. But since, I, since you brought up Shirley Walker, I'd wanted to talk about these other crew members that got Oscars uh, beforehand. They had the production designer from Blade Runner. They had cinematographer from uh, 1941, Heaven Can Wait, War Games. He also, the, the next film that uh, William A. Fraker had done was Tombstone so interesting huh. i had i had planned on asking like how does this look so good for what is essentially a b movie it makes sense when you have a guy that's been nominated for three or four oscars also the costume designer joe l Tompkins were had, had gotten a couple of nominations too for cross creek and harlem nights but the big thing that i noticed was he worked on a bunch of sci-fi films or action films like blown away species howard the duck and weekend of bernie's which i think you can clearly see, like, he knows how to manipulate clothing, that sort of thing. I know that's And, an and people who pretend to be dead bodies. Right. So <laughs> I just thought that was funny. But it's, I was going through all these people, and I'm like, they have such an incredible crew. How did this not work? Because <laughs> I think it works. It works. Maybe that's hindsight.
3: At the time, I think it was Chevy Chase was on a lull. So people were gunning for him. They didn't want to accept him in anything that would be um, considered heroic I guess because it's it's the Cary Grant role mm. and I actually think he's pretty good at playing it straight for the most part. He does good he does good job. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I've loved this movie since I was a kid. Uh it used to be on HBO on a constant rotation.
1: Mm. Yeah this it's movie's surprisingly it. familiar and I don't remember seeing it. And I'm pretty Maybe sure you saw scenes.
3: Knowing John Carpenter's career as a whole, I'm like of course the romantic aspects where he did Starman and that's kind of a similar it's similar in tone. Mhm.
2: Yeah, I'm excited to see Starman, never got around to that. Which one of my parents' favorite films.
3: It's really good. So yeah, I definitely think I'm glad we picked this for the underrated gem for the month. Yeah.
2: I I, 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 just, I just sort of remembered it fondly, but I was excited to talk about Sam Neill. So oh, yeah. it turned out to be a really good Yeah, yeah
3: and, and again, any excuse to talk about Sam Neill. Role. Yeah. Anybody else in that role would have been real cliche and probably would have came off kind of stale. Samuel mm-hmm. brings so much menace to that role.
1: Yeah, it's un- it's unnerving to see Alan, Dr. Alan Grant be kind of a right. meanie. Yeah.
2: Do you know him being a villain anywhere else? I know, obviously, he's... No, he was uh, the
3: Omen 3. Yeah. Was,
2: <clears throat> was there anything or else? The like, choose the scenery? Is it like a snubbly...
1: <laughs> oh, Daybreakers. Oh, right. Right funny that you say that because like the first image that came to my head was uh Sam Neill in the Jungle Book when oh. he had that when he had that was uh. that, that marvelous mustache. Yeah. Yes.
0: Wow.
2: That's true. He is kind of well he's the father in that. Isn't yeah he? he's the father. Yeah, so he's yeah. not a villain. Yeah. But, yeah it was not a
1: villain but like when you said that I just thought of the mustache it's that the, he had. In the WWE. best mustache he's had. Like if he if he were to ever be like a comical villain like he could pull it off. Yeah. yeah.
0: I would give this now, a B plus. Well one I just had one question before we get into that. Sure. Um, I know that this was originally based on a novel, memoirs mm-hmm. of the Invisible Man. Is there any insight as to like how much they differed, or if it was like if they meant it to be a comedy, or if the novel was more slapsticky, or yeah. I don't know. I'd be interested uh, to if you've yeah, read the book, to, comment below. Um,
3: I meant honestly. I'm looking at a synopsis, and it looks pretty close. Okay. Yeah
2: because I could see it being the progression of the events that happen in the movie are the same as the novel. And then Chevy Chase or Ivan Reitman was going to inject the humor into it to to make it to have some levity, kind of like a romancing the stone where it's an action adventure comedy. Yeah, I think that's what they wanted. Starman's a romance, but there were still dramatic elements to it. You know, okay. I think that's all it was.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I'm just always fascinated when there's when there's adaptations, especially with such high levels of special effects and things here.
2: Though with seeing um, how Ivan Reitman was originally part of the production, how long this was is kind of incredible. They were trying to develop it when the novel came out in the early '80s, so this was a 10-year-long production. Oh wow! Just floating around like Chevy, uh, finally landing with Carpenter
0: in a ski mask in Switzerland.
2: Yeah. I think that's why it's looked down upon because it was kind of buried after the the end of its production, and we'ren't sure what to yeah. do with it because, of, like you said, Corey Chase's career trajectory. But
0: and Carpenter just hates talking about it because Jimmy Chase was a yeah. nightmare.
2: Really feels like of all his films, it's the one that was the most paycheck for him.
0: Yeah,
3: John Carpenter.
2: Yeah. I know later I mean, we once
3: a- we get more into the 90s there's a lot more movies where I'm just like he's just a gun for hire for this one. G- yeah.
1: Given the uh, given the quality of the uh, special effects I think maybe John Carpenter p- p- probably put in a little more effort. I think he yeah, appreciates I, the crap. I, yeah. He wasn't
2: just going to phone it in, but I don't think
3: I know he's a big Howard favorite. So yeah. He's a big fan of like science fiction movies and creature features and stuff like that. So this probably fed into his wheelhouse but yeah. at the same time like he probably wasn't as sure with the comedic aspects as Ivan Raymond probably would have leaned more into. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. What was everyone's favorite, like specific special effect?
3: Um, when she first puts the makeup on.
0: Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. It's just like he's got this mirror mask thing going. Yes,
3: on. that's you know what's funny. I was exactly thinking of that. Yeah, Neil Gaiman-esque. Yep. Yeah. The raindrops was good too.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I would say that. That was, that was yeah, my the,
1: favorite. Him with the, uh, uh, being covered in rain. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, also when he gets a little bit of dust on himself. Yeah. Right. When he's yeah. So he's like,
2: actually, yeah, I liked the, when he's just ahead and it makes the, the goon crash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause that finally, there's always, you're always like driving and it's like the, they look over at you and the, the cameras, the car's going this way and you're going to crash. And yeah. my dad hates that. He's always flipping out, like when they look away for more than a second. <laughs> and yeah. Th- yeah. yeah, it's a production car. Yeah, it <laughs> be fine.
0: It's in yeah. a studio. Yeah. Yeah. I can't
3: about it, dad. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I like the uh, the makeup and the bubble gum.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: With, like, was the the very first, like,
3: couple of minutes that they show that off.
0: I think that was what their way of saying like this isn't just going to be. A Chevy Chase voiceover movie, like there's actually going to be invisible. Yeah, I oh,
1: no, and it's funny. It's like, gonna like, be, and then he pukes oh, when he sees his own stomach. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh no. It's funny that you mentioned that, like uh where where they where they're flexing and showing off as like uh, the invisibility uh special effects at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Chevy Chase's character, like first thing he does is like look, pencils, no strings. And that's how it was done within the old films when whether you were a ghost yeah. or an invisible man, like it was strings. And I was like no strings. Hey, yeah, look at that.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that.
1: So they were calling out the old special effects too, saying, oh, "Look at what we could play. like the mo- the movie itself was flexing."
2: I was gonna ask. I know sometimes narrations don't work. Did you think that it worked here, the It was good.
3: I thought it worked here because I'm sure they took that from the novel since it was a memoir, and uh, <laughs> plus I didn't feel like he was ad-libbing a lot in the, which which is something you would be worried about with a comedian like him. Yeah. You're doing I a guess you've
2: got an internal monologue
0: also, <laughs> I like that it wasn't a hundred percent narration I mean obviously you would see him before the accident but I'm glad that after he became invisible you could still like the audience could still see him where he was in the room and, and at certain points like just to know that he's still there and it's not he's li- not literally just phoning it in
2: right yeah I thought it had and a good just, balance so, between us seeing him and not
0: yeah and to push the whole like how it would feel to be in that situation
2: yeah thinking about like when he's in the summer house with all of them sitting around talking about him it felt like a a Christmas carol where right that's uh, how they actually feel about him
0: that's what it was
2: and so that's what might happen when you're invisible you go visit your friends to see how they're doing and they're all make talking shit about you The good thing
3: is that scene isn't built around him so it's not like them complaining about him the whole time it's like he's a topic conversation then they move on
2: yeah yeah it felt natural
0: yeah. yeah. It was beach house talk. I'm
2: not on the show.
0: That guy, that guy was like Crabs. Of God, <laughs> who, who was that guy? I don't know, but he uh, like was
2: from Die Hard. Fun fact. no, he has never been in anything else except for a Walk in the Clouds with Canterberry Clouds. Cuz he seems like You know who he is? He's the son of Sir George Martin, the producer of the Beatles. Huh? Nepotism, huh? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I mean, he seems like the guy that they cloned Army Hammer from. <laughs>
2: yeah, I don't know why he's in this. Doesn't say anything about it. the captain. I mean, of his good British. Really. There's no reason why he needs to be British. Maybe he was a friend of someone's, and they're well, like, we I need mean, something. I think that was to
3: make him yeah. more he, uh, stuffy.
1: Like, he, he does sound British, but like he also sounds like old timey rich person. Like that's <clears> not supposed is. to captain, sound like a yeah, yeah, Because like he he, he does that, uh, that like. That high and noble uh, ah, yeah, how like th- those like elite British people speak. Yeah, yeah
2: it's it's. Or, the, in the 30s, there was this like dialect from New England and the East yeah. Coast that that's. Uh, yeah,
1: no, I would. He sounds like one, like one of those rich people that are mimicking the British accent yeah. because they want to sound yeah. like they want he's, their wealth to match, or they want their accent to match their wealth. I
0: mean, he didn't oh, show up earlier in up, the movie, right? Like, he was just yeah, like there.
3: Like, he just showed up at the beach house. Yeah,
0: because yeah,
3: they implied they were, think, colorful, but he's not. Yeah. They, they implied that they were all friends at one point and that he yeah. knew Nick. I
0: yeah. think he was just supposed to be as as stuffy an antithesis to Nick as possible. Yeah. So that, you know, there is more of that contrast when he breaks down and cries to try to manipulate Daryl Hannah.
2: I do like that he thinks she's, she's strong as an ox. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. I
3: like how he can't tell the difference between a female voice and a male voice. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's schizophrenic. She's talking to herself in there. It's So what would we all
2: uh give it? Will you give. I, the, I said B plus. B plus. Yeah. I liked this more than I had remembered. So I actually would give this probably an A. Maybe even an A plus. I really like this. I'd actually. watch this again. This reminds me of when we watched Toy Soldiers last year. Like, I was worried the nostalgia wouldn't kick in. I'm ready to watch Toy Soldiers again already. Oh yeah, it's good. That's how much I liked it. So. Mm-hmm. I could see watching this again a handful of times.
0: So can I, because I accidentally had to buy it.
3: That was no accident, my friend.
2: (laughs) It's
0: because I rented it. it Then I never watched it before the the thing ended. I'm like, it was only a dollar more to buy than to rent so i own it now if anyone wants to watch it (laughs) (laughs) i i agree with Corey. i think definitely b plus b plus a minus range because it was it was very well done for what it was i was expecting a lot more slapstick and i'm glad that there wasn't Right. I also like that it wasn't, oh, happy ending, he's not invisible anymore. Like, he right. literally just, he has to live with I this for the rest of his life because he has to, to stay, stay on the lam.
2: I also thought there might be a reconciliation where Sam Neill is okay with him and lets him be free. That
1: I couldn't know where that, that was ended, happening.
2: So I actually like how he dies. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it, actually it the, the only way, way out. Is
1: actually his, his own ambitions <laughs> got, got the best of him.
2: Right. It's very... Point in. This film is very much better very, than I think these people that yeah. made it think it is.
1: <laughs> kind of yeah. reminds me of the ending of Juice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: We've got two films in a row where people fall off roots.
3: I was going to say that happens a lot in the 90s. I, I was going to say,
0: yeah, that's like a, a trope. Yeah. They're doing yeah. Disney movies all the time. What would you do? Right.
1: I would give it a solid A. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a solid A. a not minus. an A plus, not an A minus, but you know, a solid A.
2: Yeah. This might be the highest I've ever rated any of our yeah. films. I don't, I don't think know. I've
1: ever given anything
2: an A plus.
0: It's a solid film, unlike Jimmy's molecular structure. Zipping Jimmy's out. still like he's gonna be stuck like this for a while. He might he need to, to downhill for Chevy. We well, might need to look I at him for.
2: Stay. You need to. You need to be bonded to me. Please.
0: We might want. We might need to look for him in Switzerland later.
2: Anyway,
3: <laughs> so um, other films came out this month. Uh, actually, a movie that Tris and I just watched this past week, uh, hmm. Mississippi Masala. It's oh it. yes. And um, it actually had a qualifying run last year, but we decided to push it till this year because it had a wider release this <laughs> month.
2: Um, I was trying to push it for what our hidden gem would be, though I'm happy with what we went with. I still like Mississippi Masala. I do, too, actually. It was Sarita Chaudhry's uh, debut film and also Mira Nair's directorial debut. Uh, she's famous for having done the Vanity Fair remake in 04. Namesake. And, uh, Monsoon Wedding. Uh, Namesake's one of my favorite films. I love that. I think it's what pushed Cal Penn uh, to prominence, but it's not really regarded as well as I think I find it. Right. Um, but it's, it's good to see where she came from. And you can tell, obviously, the quality is a little early film because she probably had a low budget, but yeah. she uses it to her advantage to make it seem like, you know, the rough and tumble life of people that aren't native to this country. Um, the plot is basically there, there was an influx similar to how there were uh, Chinese workers in California building the railroad and across the country. Um, in uh, Uganda, there was an influx of Indians coming over to help build infrastructure there for the British. And so a couple generations later, Idi Amin comes in and banishes all Asian people. He just wants them out. Thinks they're the root of all evil. It's It's bordering on going to be genocide. So a lot of them escape. And this particular family we focus on moves to Mississippi of all places. And they live in a hotel that is primar- primarily occupied by other Indians. And it's just kind of the day-to-day of what it's like to be refugees. And I'm sure this was close to the heart for Mira Air. I'm not sure exactly her history, but the the core of it boils down to she meets denzel washington in a small fender bender they hit it off and they start a romance so it's probably one of the first interracial romances between say an indian person and a a black person i'm not sure what else came before this but i think it was important to you know have something like that
1: yeah no uh, I, i don't know it's very rare to see uh interracial relationships before a certain time mm-hmm. especially well, uh, interesting because um, like like, no, I, like uh i mean in film though yeah uh, t- typically the stereotype would have been like a black guy with a hispanic chick right or the other way around right uh, look we'll
2: at like uh do the right thing yeah
1: because like uh, i think in this point in time for like uh people's cultural sensibilities they think asians would probably <laughs> either only marry other asians or if they're a woman, they wear marry a white guy. Right. So it is. um Because you a
2: pretty landmark film for that yeah. reason.
1: Because like you don't see like in any like movies like a black guy with with an Asian chick, whether she's Indian right. or uh, East Asian, like Korean or Japanese. I can't think but, like, of any. But like I grew up on a uh, army base as a kid, and like there's a shit ton of mixed race kids like mm-hmm. up the wazoo, and like they're like. Some of the kids at my church were like either half white, half uh, half Korean, or half black and half Korean. I mean, hell, you, you don't see that that often these days either. Yeah. Like uh, how, how, how often do you even have a side character that, that's a Blasian, black Asian? Right. Like so, let alone like a main character.
2: So so I think this was a very important film, but it was also well done. Um, I rewatched it with Rebecca. It's one of her favorite films. She actually pointed out that uh, she thought the romance was a little rushed. I actually liked how it developed. Actually, because I liked how patient it was, actually, it, weirdly enough. Yeah, it felt like it was a little bit Romeo and Juliet, like they were star-crossed, and they couldn't help themselves, but it, we, we pointed out to each other that it's more they wanted to escape what they thought their trajectory was supposed to be, so they didn't want the traditional expectations to bog them down. Yeah. So I thought it was well done because of that. It didn't feel rushed or patient it didn't need to be either so i i I think i credit that to choudry and denzel washington in one of his early roles there you can tell he's going to be a star she hasn't had as big a career but i've always liked her so Um, and uh
3: charles s dutton has a small uh, mm -hmm. as
2: well he was fun yeah i liked him a lot and uh i should have kept the name down but her father was in gandhi and he was nominated for an oscar actually for best supporting actor He's good. He pops up. He's a character. If he pops up a lot. Yeah, scene. yeah. He was just in Dumbo, so
3: yeah. He's pretty ubiquitous, that guy. Uh, he was in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> no, no,
2: that was uh, that was um, but yeah, the the whole cast was pretty good. Um, you also probably didn't see a lot of films in the mainstream that focus on British people other than Gandhi. So I think Miranair uh, coming to the forefront was was good for cinema in general.
3: I'm glad. But, we, yeah, it actually we, turned but, out to be. Uh, also I mean, another- if this if it hadn't been memoirs, I wouldn't have minded this being the uh oh, good be the
1: month. Yeah, yeah. And another thing to point out, uh, since like uh part of like one of the leads is an Indian woman,
2: mm-hmm. an
1: Indian woman from an African nation. So like there's post Which post-colonial uh yeah uh like double post-colonial bullshit. It's definitely um, something I
2: didn't know about, even from like Last King of Scotland.
1: Yeah. If only Forrest Whitaker had a kid. I'm guessing yes. before this point, like not many Americans got like uh much like Indian characters that weren't taxi cab drivers.
2: Right. There is even a moment where he does uh "thank you very much," and it sounds like the dumb poo stereotype. Yeah. So.
0: So like the the this there's probably even this, some uh, of the culture of, like... stuff
3: is pretty funny in the movie when they're talking about how like be careful Americans like to sue. They're very <laughs> yeah. <careful>. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> she thinks of herself as American. Her father thinks of himself as Ugandan. Her mother is just like, "I live where I live with my family." like it doesn't matter where we are and and there's the subplot the father actually wants to return to uganda he's been suing uganda for kicking him out which is actually pretty interesting and he has to come to the realization by the end about what it means to be a family you're where your family is yeah so i thought that was pretty poignant and i think i think it's good for americans or anyone in general to Know some history and, and it isn't shoving it down your throat, it's just part of the plot. So it was, yeah. it was something I didn't know, which is always good to to get in a film. If we're grading it, I'd give this also an A.
1: Yeah, I'd probably give it, in the B, I'd give it an A. Nice. It, should just watch it just a. based on the premise give it a B. of all, like from what I heard.
3: <laughs> a movie called Final Analysis came out this month, which is a uh, it's Richard Gere and I'm a, I'm back. a Hitchcockian mystery because he plays a therapist who's uh, treating. Uma Thurman's character and whose her sister comes to visit him. They start a tour at the fair. She, her husband is Eric Roberts, who's this big mafioso. <laughs> uh, and then
0: Sorry.
3: the plot unravels from there. Um, the movie's insanely stupid. And Kim Basinger is playing to the rafters in this because her character is supposed to have pathological intoxication, mm-hmm. which is some disorder that they created either for the movie or I, I've never heard of it before.
1: We're pathological and talk. So they're drunk.
3: Yeah, but she goes into or like a of insanity when she's drunk. Oh, There's a part in a restaurant where she she has this really overwrought outburst that is unintentionally hilarious. It's just another excuse for uh, Richard Gere to get naked on film, I guess. But uh, the the movie's not good at all. Medicine Man came out this month. Weird departure for John McTiernan after all those uh, action spectacles that he was doing.
2: Oh, this isn't action. It kind of is.
3: It's more of a drama hmm. slash jungle adventure. With um, he reunites okay. with his star from uh, Hunt for Red October, Sean Connery, and they're basically looking for a cure for this uh, disease. It's him and uh, Lorraine Bracco, who people might know from either The Sopranos or Goodfellas. And just goes to show that if Martin Scorsese isn't directing her, she's no good. Um. The movie itself is kind of forgettable. Whoa. I don't really remember much of it. I just remember it being a big staple on uh, network TV. <laughs> Sean Connery has a hilariously bad ponytail on it.
2: So he still has the hair he wanted in Huntsman. Uh,
3: so
2: that's funny. <laughs> he finally got his way.
3: Yeah. Um, a movie that's kind of a cult classic now it came out this month. Uh, mm-hmm. Wayne's World. Oh! the Probably the highest grossing SNL sketch adapted to the big screen outside of blues brothers
1: mm. no that's uh, it's funny thing you say that because those are my top two like favorite uh favorite. I guess, SNL movies
3: yeah and those are the ones that made the most for me all the spoonerisms and hipster dialogue has really dated itself so I don't I don't think it holds up well I, I think, think actually the limited. sequel's better I can see why it has like a, a little cult devotion to it now but what do have you, any of you guys seen it I have not this
1: Terrible. is the movie that launched uh, Mike Myers's career. Yeah, so like, I mean, uh, to to this is. day, anytime I think of mustard, it doesn't matter which brand of mustard, I will always think of the scene where they pull up to a limousine, roll down the windows, like, oh. "Excuse me, sir, do you have any grape poupon?" And like, I remember the commercials that they were mocking. That's from what? That's, that's what? That's right. From. They're mocking a a uh, mustard uh, that like a mustard company that had a commercial exactly like how they happened yeah. it out in that scene in the movie so my so like
2: my mom used to direct theater in our high school in town uh, when I was very young, she eventually moved on to a, a school she actually worked in. But I would come to rehearsals after I was in elementary school just because that's where she was. And they were all making that joke. And I never got it. I thought I, oh, yeah. they had made up the oh, joke. Oh, yeah. I mean,
1: that's that's, a, that's a, probably making fun of Wayne's World. Yeah, no, that because most kids in our generation like that, because that commercial was from the 80s. Yeah. it I
2: be like if you like, saw there, like that a commercial, that commercial a actually commercial. dying out by
1: the time Wayne's World premiered. I remember I think the commercial. Wayne's World killed that commercial.
2: That's so funny.
1: I think because I don't remember seeing it all that much uh, past that point.
2: Well, these high school kids in our hometown mm. would make these jokes, and then I finally saw the commercial. And I'm like, oh, okay, it must be from that.
0: The movie also um, Oh, often high schoolers quote mustard commercials. I was gonna-
2: I didn't know I was six.
0: I mean, I, I would there. I would be the kid that did that though, so <laughs> yeah. it was there.
3: This movie also put uh, Queens okay, Bohemian nice. Rhapsody little
1: commercials from the 90s, back so. to the yeah. charts.
3: stuck um, Up until then, Bohemian Rhapsody was kind of looked down upon and now that oh. and when it was featured in this movie it skyrocketed back to the top of the chart. yeah that,
1: that's that's another doesn't an, like when i hear uh yeah. rhapsody, and this, rhapsody, the production history was, shameful, was i not, guess not queen
3: yeah the producers didn't want it mike myers yeah. fought hard to get it in there and it's, so
2: he, it's really cool that he ended up being the producer in the movie bohemian rhapsody. yeah so that's what a great really little cool easter egg for
3: people who see uh bohemian rhapsody radio
2: flyer i've seen mm, have i seen this have
3: you seen it? it uh, wasn't the
2: Cuba Gooding
0: Jr. one was it?
3: It's a movie about child abuse with Elijah Wood. No.
0: Oh. oh I was thinking of radio. Sorry.
2: Yep. No, oh
3: so um so not the uh, Lord of the Rings.
1: What's
2: what's the Woody Allen movie with Seth Green?
3: With Seth Green? Oh, radio days. Oh, uh, that's what I've seen. Yeah, yeah. No, but uh, do does anybody remember those radio flyer wagons when they were mm-hmm. a kid? I had one. You did? Okay. So they're, they're carrying it around for most of the movie, but it's they do kind of a, a Charlie Brown thing in the movie because the alcoholic father you never see. He's always off screen. But uh, it's actually directed by Richard Donner. Wait, what? <laughs> Richard Donner <laughs> of The Weapon, Superman. Wow. This is like a dark family drama. It's him and the kid from Tristan, um, so you know, this a kid from Jurassic Park.
2: Oh, Joseph Mazzello Yeah,
3: Joseph Mazzello. Also in Bohemian
2: Rhapsody.
0: And Lorraine Bracco, John Hurd.
2: Yeah,
3: Yeah, John Hurd. It's not a movie I'd I'd readily go to revisit just because of the dark subject matter. It's not a fun, it's not a fun movie. Uh, but uh, for what for what it is, Richard Donner acquits himself very well. He knows how to direct actors, so he's good at the drama. This is My Life, which is a Nora Ephron movie that not a lot of people talk about. It's based on a uh, it's based on a book by this woman who um, was living in the Bronx. It was trying to be a stand-up comedian. And it's actually uh, one of the rare uh, starring vehicles for Julie Kavner from uh, hey. from The Simpsons.
2: Marge, right? Yeah, Marge. Yeah, uh, she's uh, in Awakenings. She's in Awakenings, yeah. Yeah. You impressed?
3: <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good movie. Last movie before we get to Jeff's main feature, uh, The Mambo Kings came out, which oh, is nice. a biopic about the Castillo brothers, which I've never seen, but I hear is very good.
2: All right, Jeff.
0: What are we doing? Oh, there we go. All right.
2: For those those listeners at home, what we do with Poster Boy, the, the game is that we present a poster to Jeff and have him describe the poster and then try to figure out what it is. It's all blurred out the name, <laughs> the actors, because uh, their faces.
0: I'm absolutely and, terrible with understanding posters.
2: <laughs> and he often comes up with better plots than the actual film. And he you probably, probably will with this time. one. Uh sometimes as we're gonna go along, I expect you might know the film because you may have actually seen the poster or can just tell who it is.
1: Yeah, but you know, so sometimes you smudge it out and it looks creepy as fuck. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, no, I uh, everybody looks like playface <laughs> in this. The old woman in here looks like she came out of a tool. Music Yo, hey, so. hey, hey,
0: whoa, whoa, bah, bah, bah. This is Jeff's time. This is, is good.
1: Whoa 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 whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. Am I doing this or do you want to do it, Jimmy? Oh Jesus.
1: God. No, no, no. You're doing this, but I'm interjecting.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bum,
1: bum, bum. All right, Jeff. Go ahead.
0: Okay. So, first of all, we're looking at a movie poster. Sure. There's a blue background. They're clearly, even though they are not in a vehicle, they are going at a very high speed. <laughs> yeah. Both of them are holding guns. One of them is a tall man in a corduroy jacket holding a snub nose, and the other is uh, an older woman, like a grandma type, uh, holding a much bigger gun, pointing it just past the camera. Now, I know this is too early to be grandma's boy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he does have the hair.
0: But, yeah. even though I can't see his face, the guy just just probably has some shit-eating smirk, honestly.
1: Can, can I guess who the, the guy,
0: guy? is? It looks like Jeff Garland. Uh, like, that was my... Jeff okay. my, uh, Garland! My, my my first
1: thought.
3: The
0: first thought was Jeff Garland. Who do
2: you, who do you think it might be, Jimmy? Joe Pesci. No no what? No. That's not that's Joe Pesci. Not, that's, that's a
3: good. That's a good
0: oh, good guess. Yeah,
2: uh. I like, I like both those guesses actually.
0: Hasselhoff. No. Uh. His hands are too big to be Hasselhoff. Let's.
3: Uh... <laughs> He's not eating a burger on the floor.
2: I like where it's, this is going
0: now. Hair's too dark to be Richard Gere. He doesn't like um, Richard Gere. I want to say the old woman's Estelle Getty. Wait,
2: hey, nah. is it Sylvester Stallone? I knew not blurring out her hair might get it for you. No, it was the not.
0: glasses.
1: <laughs> yeah, nah. I knew the glasses might get it too. What Sylvester Stallone? Hey, oh yeah, oh Jimmy, is God. it Stallone? Like, I'm at him like Joe Pesci because of the hair, but I'm looking at the neck and like the little bit of do, hair. Do, I, not, have to, do I, mean I have to? Do I have to share
0: the trophy, trophy with? I
1: can't believe I'm identifying.
0: Sylvester's alone
1: by a little bit of a
0: nice. Oh, that's good. What's wrong with
2: me? Do I, do I have to share me. my
0: sticker book with Jimmy today? Oh, yeah. I,
2: think, yeah, I almost blurted out because I'm like, you're gonna know about the neck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I it's funny that
3: you thought it was Jeff Garland. <laughs> I know that really the physical opposite of stuff.
0: I know that neck anyway. Well, no, I mean, I figured it was early on. Jeff Garland wasn't, you know, yeah. Yeah. At, a different, yeah, yeah. at a different physical point in his life. No, he, like, um,
1: his shoulders that are are uh, three quarters like side profile, so you can't can't call, can't quite like like you can see how I see, think might think Joe Pesci at first. You're fine, especially with that little
2: so, titty dinky dinky you can tell how tall he is.
0: Yeah, no. All right.
3: So, what do you think the plot of this?
0: Okay, I think the plot of this is she used to be a part of the mob and has to finish up some unfinished business, and so she hires her grandson to break her out of the box. God damn it. And go <laughs> on a
1: better plot, or and, or it's like Kindergarten Cop, except it's old people daycare.
0: Right, nursing home cop. Yeah, nursing home
1: cop. That's better too. <laughs> that sounds better too.
0: <laughs> Either way, Estelle Getty is clearly the leader of this duo. Um, He's not wrong. And Sylvester Stallone is along for the ride even though he's trying or he's 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 some sort of government agent who was assigned to protect this asset it's
3: like guarding been hiding
0: in a nursing guarding home there's there's a nursing home involved somehow and then a high-speed chase because they're clearly there's like the way the lights are blurring they're they're sticking out of the top of a limo is driving there, there a
2: high-speed chase yeah there is a high-speed chase okay All right. i think you both have <laughs> yeah. come up with good plots. the next thing i'll give you is the i believe Keyest i didn't holsters. read this but this might give a The
0: pot Key West holsters Detective Joe Bum Bumowski's mom is in town for a visit. She did the laundry, washed the windows, and scrubbed the floors. Now she's gonna clean up the streets.
1: (laughs) See, we're closer on your second one. He isn't a government agent, but he is a cop. I mean, that's still a government, right along. So, government, right along. This (laughs) is the precursor to ride along. (laughs)
2: So uh, um, what would you call this?
0: Running errands.
3: A better title.
2: Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I. The next thing is I give away their faces, so I'll take this creepy grocery.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's not smiling.
0: The grocery bandits.
1: Concerned and confused, maybe yes. wondering how he got into this movie. Yeah, both of you come
2: up with one more title, and then I think we'll, we'll oh, go ahead because uh, you know the plot now.
0: Um. Okay. Hang on. There's there's going to be some sort of elderly pun. Old school. No. <laughs> visit
1: grandma's <laughs> got a gun mom's in town right. there's an
3: exclamation in the title
0: Hold oh yeah
1: so grandma's got a gun <laughs> that's better too
0: grandma <laughs> got run over by a range rover
1: no grandma got grandma got run over by a stallone no okay, i'm gonna put it into this here you go
0: <laughs> rocky's <laughs> <laughs> stop or my mom will shoot
2: have you heard of this
0: no i have okay actually you have okay I thought that it was just a fever dream, though. I didn't know it actually this looks existed. like
3: a funnier Die property, doesn't it? Yeah. This looks like a parody. Um, this is probably, for me, and I'm a huge Stallone fan, this is the worst thing he's ever done.
0: <laughs>
3: the level of jokes in this are a disgrace to sitcoms. There, there's a part where Stallone is having a fever dream because his mom keeps foiling all of his uh, his detective cases she, there's a part where he's in a fever dream where he imagines himself in a diaper.
1: Oh god! I, wow! Oh, that's it's, going to be a weird image in my head just hearing I, that alone. Try
3: watching it. That's go so go gugu.
0: <laughs> there's a part where
3: he's in the shower. She interrupts him. Ma, what are you doing here? Come on, Ma. I
0: feel like this is a prequel to Rambo.
3: But so here's the funny part. The reason that he's in this movie is i don't know if you know this but him and uh schwarzenegger have like a friendly competition between the two of them especially in the oh, 80s and yeah. 90s so they were always trying to um uh, one up each other so obviously schwarzenegger was doing a lot of comedies and they were very successful around this time like kindergarten cop twins so stallone was like i gotta get a comedy vehicle he's like his agent happened to go to him you know, Stallone, uh, Schwarzenegger's uh, like orbiting around this one property. Maybe we could like get it away from him and then have you do it. And he's like, yeah, you know what? Because I I'd probably fit better for this because it's American cop, you know, something like that. He's like, so yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. I don't care what it is. Just just give it to me. Oh. I'll get the script. So he oh. took it. He took it. He gets a phone call from Schwarzenegger later. He goes, you know, I wasn't really seriously considering that script. I only did that to mess with you. And he, I already <laughs> signed on to do it. <laughs> So it was a prank from again, <laughs> this
1: movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, wow.
0: absolutely brilliant. Like,
1: Schwarzenegger got me.
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: that's the title of the movie. Arnold got me. Been, I got Arnold.
0: I've been Schwartz.
2: Uh-huh. I just imagine Arnold
1: laughing over the phone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can I've see an interview movie. where rhythm, <laughs> you Tell me an you interview
3: me where he talks about it, I think, with uh, Jimmy Kimmel. He's like, I watch the movie and I go, what a piece of
0: shit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this makes me love Arnold even more. Yeah. Oh, Arnold.
0: oh boy. Now, kinda, me- now I kind of want to watch <laughs> it, just, you know.
3: Oh, it's so bad. I rewatched it. I rewatched a little bit of it just to rejog my memory. Oh, it's, it's excruciatingly almost unwatchable how bad it
2: is i've always been curious so this may be why i didn't think stallone was a good actor for most of the 90s
3: which is weird because you see him in interviews and he's clearly he can be funny
2: well i uh i wanted to switch it up a little bit for our uh, picks of the month Uh usually we've been focusing on actors in the early days we we kind of did uh (laughs) genres once in a while especially one of our episodes came up around christmas so we did best christmas movie that sort of thing so i was thinking uh, and jeff came up with this actually what's your favorite sci-fi comedy
3: i want to say inner space with martin short
2: okay hmm.
0: back to the future naturally that's true all right i guess i'll pick a different one will come come back to me
1: <laughs> okay well, I'm, I'm just gonna say fuck it and i'm just gonna list off a bunch yeah, because like I can't, I can't pick. Here's Holy an God unintentional. Favorite. comedy. Know, you, you, you can't be able to fit it on the screen. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So like, uh, like Ghostbusters. Okay, I'll uh, stick with that for you. Men in Black. Oh shoot. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't think of that. Digit. Man, um, that
2: might be mine.
1: Why don't
3: you go with your favorite, which is Sphere, which is an unintentional comedy.
1: How many years? Snarky little son of a bitch.
0: Sleeper. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, you know that's Did a good one. Is, have... is that your picture? No. Go we on. we hinted at it before. I'm going to go with Groundhog Day, but I kind yeah. of like Men in Black as well. I mean, could serve that sci-fi. sci-fi. It's a time loop. Yeah, but, but they, they never, never try to explain the uh, science part. Yeah, but it's and still right, it.
1: You got to figure out the
2: science. Find it. fine fine, i will go with Men in Black. Yeah.
1: All right, there you go. <laughs> you know what What a good movie? I mean the Groundhog whoa, whoa, oh, Day is a good movie. Whoa, what am I saying?
0: Short yeah. Circuit whoa. Two. You want? Hey, that is a good one. That you know? is a good one. Another Michael McKean classic. That was where I was introduced. Hey, to him.
3: Michael McKean. Oh, you know what? You're right. I was introduced to him in that. Wait, I was, was he- also
0: introduced to uh, Brownface Fisher Stevens. He doesn't.
3: You know what? As bad of a. Oh yeah, as is. Oh, He does, that does that a great is- job. Well, I, you know yeah. what? I have seen Short
1: Circuit Two before I saw uh, Short Circuit. So. Me too. It's like And like the weird. And the weird thing is, like, I didn't, I didn't even call it Short Circuit. I didn't even know that was the title of the movie. I just called it Johnny Five, right? Johnny Five. So, so they were like, "Yeah, Short Circuit One." I'm and when like, I want to watch the Johnny Five movie, it Five, there's only just one movie. I the I didn't the second one.
0: I didn't know that there was a first one because oh, the second one was definitely geared more toward kids.
1: Oh yeah. And then- <laughs> oh guys, guys, guys! The actor in the uh, Short Circuit movies, Gutenberg. He's 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 also in. Another sci fi comedy. Which that's actor? Good. There's several. Oh, no, no. You'll know when I say his name. Cocoon. Or say the same Say with the movie. Uh, Mario Brothers. Super Mario Brothers? Super Mario Brothers.
2: Dennis
1: mm-hmm.
2: Hopper's
1: not in Sir Circuit. No, no, no. Like this scrappy, skinny, skinny guy. He's also oh. in Hackers. Too. Oh, yes,
0: yes, yes. So long hair. Don't like a Samo. Well, so yeah. Fisher yeah. Stevens is also in Hackers.
2: Yeah, that's what yeah. he means. means yeah. Fisher. This is just becoming a
0: Hackers preview show.
2: Which Koopa? The Iggy or Lemmy or something? Here's
0: he's the one that doesn't doesn't get
1: turned into Iggy a... or Lemmy.
3: Yeah. Lenny or Ziggy? Wait, you going with Super Mario Bros. No. Oh no. <laughs> just, yeah, good
1: good good, good comedy. A- yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay. Well, I think I think that's pretty good. We uh appreciate you listening. Uh can't wait for next month. We're gonna take it international. We've never really done a foreign film. We're gonna look at Zhang raise the red lantern which was released here in march 92 it had come out like mississippi masala at the tail end of 91 but in china and elsewhere we're going to see how it is coming to the states yeah and we're intrigued i don't really know anything about this it's it's i've heard it's a great film i've never seen It's, it's one of the biggest international films at least around that time so it's kind of a turn from this because it's going to we're going to go from comedy to drama but thank you again uh remember to rate review subscribe uh comment if there's anything you want to hear about from 92 uh any picks of the month you want to hear about i don't know uh we'll see you next time